Welcome to Be More Super, the podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. On this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, uh, we've got a real treat. If you've been on Netflix or CBS in the States, uh, the wonderful show Star Trek Discovery is uh, going boldly where no man has been before, as they say. And uh, we've got one of the uh, amazing stars of the show. We've got Wilson Cruz. Wilson, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So how is everything where you are at the moment? So where are you situated right now? I am in Toronto, um, right. where we are working on season four. Do you know what? You just beat me to one of my questions, which was, are we going to see more of you in season four? Because I was chatting to Doug Jones only the other week and uh, because he was on the show. And he said that I was lucky to get the interview when I did because he had to go and film for season four. So how yeah. is everything on the set right now, have you had any Tom Cruise moments? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we've all had a Tom Cruise moment in this industry. I'm not going to lie. Look, I don't agree with Tom Cruise on most things, but I will say I probably would have said most of the things that he said. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what? I thought he was spot on. You know, the industry has been completely on its back. People have been struggling to pay bills and to get back to work. And he's been fighting so hard for that. And everyone's criticised him in the UK for it. Can you believe it? But yet, I think everything he said was spot on. OK, it was a bit harsh. You know, and but... I have to say, I'm really, proud of, I'm really proud of our cast and crew because... Everyone really has taken it seriously here and is really, um, you know, it, it's it's so much more about keeping other people safe. You know, okay. that's what is at the front of all of our minds. And what's great about that is if you in this moment, you're keeping yourself safe. So um, it works out really well for everybody. <laughs> no, that, that, that is awesome to hear. And uh, I know that we're all looking forward to season four because season three right now is absolutely epic. I've got to say, it's getting better year by year. The characters are getting better as well. Uh, there's more diverse, diversity and inclusion, which is is is, is magical to see. Uh, so before we go over Star Trek Discovery, I want to get to know you, Wilson, a bit more because you're such a fascinating creature. You really are. From everything I've read and seen, um, just once... I, 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 I want to get to know you more. So you were born in New York City. Am I correct in that? Yes. Yes, New York City in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn. Greenpoint. Excellent. In, in where, sorry? In Greenpoint, at a neighborhood in, in Brooklyn. And what, what, what was it like growing up in Brooklyn? Well, I didn't stay in Brooklyn very long. Um, we, were, we moved to Queens uh, for a little while, which is across the way. Um, you guys know a little thing about Queens uh, <laughs> over there. But, um, and then we ended, I ended up in, in California, actually, by the time I was 
uh, like early teens. So I was already in California. My parents were looking for a place to raise their three kids that wasn't New York City. And so we ended up in, in the suburbs of Los Angeles. Oh, that's wonderful. And what, when growing up, what gave you the fire inside to become a performer? Because you've done so much in, in, in your career that spanned well over 20 years. I mean, what was that fire inside that made you want to get on stage or get in front of a camera? I hate to correct you on this, but it's almost 30 years and it hurts me more to say 30. it. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, I got my agent when I was... 16 years old and I will be 47 years old in a couple of weeks. So yeah, Um, I always knew that I was going to be a performer. Um, You know, my mother will tell you that there was never a doubt what it was that I was going to pursue. And um, whether it was playing three instruments, um, singing in the show choir, or being on stage, you know, in a theater, in a play or musical, um, that's where I wanted to be. And that's how I wanted to spend the rest of my life. Um, You know, Jonathan Larson, uh, who wrote Rent, which was a show that I was lucky enough to be a part of, um, he wrote this song that he used to perform before he wrote Rent called, What a Way to Spend a Day. And it's basically about how lucky we are to spend the day making art and helping people understand themselves better, um, that we're fortunate as artists to be able to do that. And so I think about him and I think about that song uh, whenever anybody asks me about how I ended up doing what I get to do. Because honestly, I'm, I feel like I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Oh, bless you. And I've got to say, I've got a massive confession. I've never actually seen Rent on stage. I've seen the movie. And uh, I've got to say, uh, a friend of mine lent me the movie and she called me just at the end and I was in tears. Absolutely. I couldn't talk. I couldn't couldn't say anything. And it's such a moving production. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm vowing that one day I will see it on stage because everything everything's better on stage um in in my eyes that piece was made for the stage right it was it was um conceived for the stage um the 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 bare set you know the the way that they create a community of actors to tell the story um there is a really beautiful uh filmed live production that a lot of the people I did the show with um, recorded on the 10th anniversary. So if you can get your hands on that, which I believe is available, um, uh, that'd be a good a good way of, of having your cake and eating it too. That is wonderful. That is definitely going to be on my Chris, Christmas list. And of course, you, you, you played Angel in that production. And uh, what a moving story from the beginning to the end. It's, it's definitely about community and acceptance and and love and i think that's one thing 2020 is definitely missing in parts is a lot of love and a lot of community um uh, you know especially with this pandemic i mean i don't know if you're aware but in the uk uh it's just been announced that christmas time for five days basically three families different families can get together so literally the uk is going to be carnage uh, from the 23rd for five days which i am dreading absolutely dreading but 
going on I'm to your act yeah sorry um i will be here alone with these four oh, walls you. <laughs> but i you know i have this technology to help me stay in touch and i will be taking full advantage of that oh, i hope other people you. are too oh so so when you was um growing up and obviously uh, chasing this dream of being an actor and a performer what were the biggest challenges that you faced uh, as at that 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 young age you know the honest answer to that question is um me i was the biggest obstacle um to my own success because i was because uh, I believed what society was telling me about myself, which was that I wasn't enough. That you know, it was going to be too hard to be a performer and um, find success as an openly gay Latino actor. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I wanted it enough that I kept going and proved it to myself that it was possible. And um, you know, there have been obstacles. People, other people have been obstacles. And, you know, um, I think that's true of, of any actor. There's no actor that I know, straight, gay, white, brown, yellow, who says it was an easy road for them. Um, I just think that mine had a few more than most. <laughs> uh, and I learned how to overcome that by working hard, uh, dealing with my own insecurities by educating myself and um, getting experience and um, finding great mentors. Um, but I think once I believed and understood my own capacity, I allowed myself to believe. And when I started believing, that's when I started working. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine the in the industry now is still very fickle, very uh, you know stereotypical. I mean, back in the nineties, I can only imagine, you know, when you go to these casting calls, how dif difficult it is, um, you know, just to be an actor, but to be an openly gay man, you know, within that industry, you had that to fight with as well and it's shocking from my point of view from a, a straight man's point of view that that you know people can be so cruel and so judgmental at, you know during those times I mean did you face anything like that when you went for for castings you know was that ever mentioned was that ever brought to light and, yeah. and, and stopped you from getting the roles that you wanted oh I'm sure that's true I'm sure that's happened um you know, one of the good things and one of the bad things about how this um, industry works is, you know, you go in and you audition for things and most of the time you don't hear back and so you don't know why you didn't get the job. Mm. Um, so it's up to you to assume what that reason was and or not, or just know that that was someone else's gig. Now, I have been told that people have made different decisions in casting based on the fact that I'm an openly gay man uh, or I wasn't the right race or something. Um, so that happens and it's real. Uh, mm -hmm. There's nothing I 
I can do about that. You know, what I can control is how good my work is when I get it, what I do to promote it and help it be successful. Um, those are the things I can control. And so I try to concentrate on that um, and, and, and then work behind the scenes as I have throughout my career to change the way this industry works, to have open dialogue and conversation about how we can change it for people who come after me um, and for myself going forward, uh, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. But, um, you know, I, I've, I've had the privilege of working with organizations like GLAD um, that work behind the scenes to educate uh, content creators and networks and studios on how best to represent LGBTQ people. And, um, and you know, it's part of what I signed up for. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think it's part of my career trajectory to not only continue to work and be proud of my own work, but how am I helping this industry do better? Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, thing thing is, you do a lot of work with the youth. You do a lot of work, um, you know, you know, with the L LGBTQ community, and you're such an inspiration to them. Um, I mean, I can remember going back because I did performing arts at college, um, and I, I I was a performer as well. And I can remember my friend Greg. We were 17 years old, and uh, he he took me to the pub, and he said to me. Um, I've got something to tell you. And we we were sat there with our pints. Um, bearing in mind, we were 17, so we were as underage drinking for a start. Um, and he just came out and and he, he said, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gay. And bearing in mind, at that point, I had never met anyone that was gay. So I stopped. I downed my pint. And I didn't know what to think. And then, you know what? I looked over at Greg and I didn't see any horns. I didn't see a monster or anything like that. I saw my best friend. And mm. for me, that was such a great introduction. You know, you know, it was for me, it, you know, it wasn't sort of a a a monster that was going to jump on me or anything like, 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 like that. And I thank my friend greg for that and you came out quite early as well to your parents and that must 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 have been such a a difficult thing to do and what concerns me i mean i've got two little girls mm. and one day if they come to me and say dad you know i'm 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 gay or or anything like that i will love them open arms I do not care what direction they want to go in as long as they're happy and I'll be behind them 100%. Um, but in your case, you had quite a a difficult time. I mean, you was homeless. You was in a live, living in your car for a while. Yeah, you know, I just, I, before before I um, touch on that, I, I want to say that, you know, there were two generations of LGBTQ people in the 80s and in the 90s who um, very purposefully decided that the best thing we could do as a generation, as, you know, as these two generations, was to be as visible as possible. And they risked everything to do that so that 
your friend, Greg, um, could help you understand, right? Mm -hmm. So the, the whole concept was that the way we change the world is one person at a time. By showing ourselves and being vulnerable enough to be exactly who we are um, and face um, and answer all of the um, lies that, are, that had been told about us. And remember that there was an, uh, an epidemic at the time of AIDS. Mm -hmm. so we were having this conversation on a very public and worldwide level. And we are now seeing the, the effects of those, um, of the risk that, that those generations took. And so when you talk about your two daughters, the mm -hmm. world that they, that will meet them if they do turn out to be part of the LGBTQ community is completely different than the yeah. one that I met when I came out. Um, and, and that's on purpose. So when I came out to my dad, he did kick me out of the house um, at Christmas Eve. And I did have to find a way to survive for about three months until we started shooting the series of my so-called life. Um, and so yeah, I slept on my friend's couches. I slept in my car. I slept wherever I needed to sleep in order to make it through those three months um, and start my life. But part of what I needed to do was to be open and honest and vulnerable with my family first, because um, I knew I was going to be public about it. And so I needed to do that first. And, um, and yeah, I was 19. Wow. And, and I would you have done anything? Absolutely you... not. I would... No. I would have done a, a, a thing differently. And what, what advice would you give anyone that's list, listening or, 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 or watching this on, you know, if they haven't, you know, come out yet, they haven't spoken about it, what advice would you give them? You know, it's such a personal... It's such a personal moment, right? Mm. And so much of it is what happens before you're able to tell someone else. There's a whole process of self-love and acceptance and strength that happens before you decide to tell someone else. And so I guess my advice would be to take the time to go through all of that first. Um, be right in your heart, in your mind, um, with yourself, before you risk everything to be vulnerable with someone else, um, because that's what it's going to take. And you're gonna to need to be as strong as you possibly can be to do it. And able to answer questions, which will come. Um, so, my, my ultimate advice to you is to be as gentle with yourself as possible, but also be excited about the fact that just like when I was 19 years old um, and came out to my father, I did it because I needed my life to start. And I knew it wouldn't start in, mm -hmm. in, in reality until I owned all of myself. And there is a big community out there. There is a, a big yeah. community oh, of people with lots of love. Absolutely. That's the, that's the second part is, you know, you, 
you have to reach out. You have to um, talk to someone, uh, create a network, you know, that is going to be supportive of you. Um, you know, for me, I came out to like uh, my aunt, who I knew was going to be um, protective and supportive and, and a couple of friends, so that when I did come out to my dad, um, I wasn't completely uh, netless. So um, I think that's important too. But that's also yeah. part of self-care is creating uh, an environment in which you can thrive and do the self-work um, and then coming out to the most important people in your life. And if you could change one thing about the world, um, what would it be? You know, around around the stigma, because the thing is, for me, I you know, it doesn't matter what race, what gender, what it it really doesn't ma matter. For me, I I I just want everyone to to not be judgmental and just be kind. I mean, that's. If I, if I had one wish uh, in terms of what I could change about the world, is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Yeah. Is that if I could change one thing, it would be that every human walking the planet would have at, their front of, at the front of their mind the humanity of every other person that they come in contact with. Because I think what happens is um, the violence and the hate and the ignorance that we suffer from is a direct product of an unwillingness to see and appreciate the humanity in every other person that you meet, no matter what their race is, no matter what their ability is, no matter their mm. age or where they happen to be at the time, their, their class. Mm. Um, and, and if I could add one more thing that, you know, the reason why we do, why, we, why I think humans do it is because in the end, we all want to um, succeed and, um, we think the only way we can do that sometimes is if someone else doesn't. But the lesson here is that there is enough for all of us. There is no lack in the world. Everything we need and could possibly want is already here on this planet. And all we have to do is allow ourselves to share it. Yeah, that would make the world definitely a better place um so wilson before you were were traveling the stars on the uss discovery you did a lot mm -hmm. of theater do you ever go back to the stage do you ever tread the uh the uh Words. what do you call it the yeah that um <laughs> yes i mean i am dying to go back to the theater it's just it's impossible to do when you're doing a TV show of this magnitude because it takes so long to do, um, especially under these new circumstances. Uh, so if and when I get a long break, I will probably go back to the theater. But let me preface this by saying that this is the first time I've had this problem and I'm going to enjoy it. 
you're going to take your time and you're going to enjoy every second of it. No, I, the early parts of my career, I couldn't get on a show that lasted more than a year because <laughs> of, for whatever reason, you know what I mean? So um, this feels good. I like consistently working on a show that is as badass and as good as this every week. And does, uh, you know, doing a TV show, how different is it than being on stage, you know, work ethic wise and and experience? It's a completely different experience. I mean, it's, it's, it's a completely different experience. You know, when you do a play, you have about a month with the material and you get to, you know, rehearse it and play around and find out what works and try things. Um, you don't get that here. <laughs> you know, if I, get, if I get two takes in my close-up, that's a lot. So um, it's a, just a different way of preparing um, and also of embracing uh, the things that make it maybe better than a play, right? Like, you know, there's there are things about working here that that's different. There's there's the spontaneity of the work here. There is, you know, the the searching in the moment for the moment um, that you don't get on stage, right? On stage, once you're doing that show for a while, it's about how do you keep it fresh and how do you keep it um, uh, yourself um present in the, in in that moment and make it real for yourself every night um that's a whole different challenge and which do you prefer do you prefer stage or film um it's hard it's hard to, it's hard to pick um well I mean, I, in, it, I mean in the end in the end i love Here's the thing. I, what I love about a play you know, or a musical is that you really get to dig into these characters and mine everything out of them. And you really get to dissect that experience and that moment in that person's life. Um, and there's a lot of richness that you can find in doing that. Um, the, uh, the thing that I love about television, serialized television, is how I can take this character on episode one. And my job is to get him to this other place yeah and every season there's growth and change and an element of this person that i get to discover and that is exciting and and i and i love that about tv so you know i love to work and (laughs) i really love all of every 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 opportunity again no matter what the medium is so let's talk about star trek discovery and i've got another confession i've never really been a star trek fan i really haven't um i actually had to look after nichelle nichols for a day you know lieutenant uhura Mm -hmm. and literally i went shoe shopping with her (laughs) and she told me everything about the kiss to being on set and everything like that and i didn't have a clue i had to pretend i i I pretended that i knew um but i've got to say I know, I know. and But I've got to say, Star Trek Discovery, for me, I've watched from day one, every single episode, and I just think it's one of the best things on TV. Um, and you obviously play Dr. Hugh 
uh, Kulba, um, were you a Trekkie before doing the show or did you not have a clue? Oh, no, I had a clue. I, you know, growing up, you know, as a kid, I wanted to be on Broadway and I wanted to be in Star Trek. Like, I thought that was when you've made it. Um, so I, I, I was, you know, well aware. And Next Gen was my Star Trek. Um, and Dr. Crusher was my doctor. And um, so, yeah, I was well aware. I was well aware. And, and I knew that they were, they were developing a new series. And I um, was very um, assertive, let's say, <laughs> in, in putting my foot in the door. And and how was the audition pro, pro process for you? Because uh, you being assertive, I presume uh, you were straight on the ball when you got that call. Uh, what, um, what was it like to audition? I didn't really have to audition. I had to um, put myself with the producers on tape for for the network um, as they were developing the character. So, um, but there was there was no audition actually. It was very sweet. Wow! Wow! That obviously says speaks volumes. It really well, I'm not, I wasn't the only one who didn't audition. You know, Anthony didn't audition either. You know, he's a big star. Did he? So, oh wow! Oh wow! <laughs> Doug Jones really so... <laughs> did not audition, and I know <laughs> Martin Green did not audition. So, wow! Wow! So, did you have any reservations before taking that role? Because yeah. you get a lot of stars that. That, that like, you know, like Doctor Who in the UK um, and you get stars that say, if I do this, I'm going to be typecasted. I'm going to be always mm-hmm. known as, you know, the doctor on Star Star Trek. So you, you didn't mm-hmm. have any reservations at all? No, because I'm always going to be Ricky Vasquez. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. That, so, that, yeah. that, 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 that <laughs> is definitely true. Definitely you know true. I, mean? I had no reservations at all. And I also knew that... They wanted to create a different kind of Star Trek, a serialized, modern storytelling uh, Star Trek that wasn't just standalone episodes, uh, but that we were really going to delve into these characters and into the development of these relationships. And so, I, I didn't, I didn't stutter. I didn't, I didn't think twice about it. <laughs> I was, where do I sign? Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, so on screen, we see you have a beautiful relationship with and and Anthony Rapp's character, um, and obviously he was also in Rent as well. Um, so it was a quite a nice reunion. Did you perform together in Rent then on Broadway? We did. His last month on Broadway and his first in his original run in the show was my first month on Broadway when I came over from the Los Angeles production into the New York cast. Amazing. And how was it like to... So what, so what was it like to, to share the screen, screen with him many years later, having well, performed you know, we, in Rent? We remained friends throughout those years, for 20 years, um, because, you know, when, when you are one of a handful of openly gay actors in this industry, you all know each other. Um, and <laughs> and I worked together and we, had, we saw each other at a, different events and um, we had deep respect for each other and real love for each other. So we stayed in contact. And so I actually knew, um, 
I actually heard that he had gotten the job on Star Trek because I was tracking this gay character that they were going to have because I wanted it myself. Little did I know that there were going to be two. Um, <laughs> so, um, so you know, I we, we were texting each other throughout the whole process. It sounds like a great club that you're in that you know all each other. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm talking about like the late 90s. There's so many more. I don't know everybody now. But at the time, it was like... <laughs> Me, Anthony Rapp, Ian McKellen, Harvey Firestein, you know, RuPaul. Oh, RuPaul. Do you that know might what? Be your, Amazing. Peter Page. Peter Page. Yeah. And Ian <laughs> McKellen. Do you know what? I would love to have a drink with Ian McKellen. He, he just Wouldn't seems such a character. He really does. And I just want to give him a big cuddle. I don't know why. I met but, him uh, once in 1993 six or seven um, at um, at event, an event in Los Angeles, and he couldn't have been more lovely to me. Oh, oh that's I'll good to hear, cause, because they always say never meet your heroes, so I suppose uh, <laughs> he must be a nice, ni- no, no, nice person. Oh, so, I'm glad I've met my hero. So, so one of the things I like about Discovery is about the amount of diversity and inclusion, and definitely with season three, um, obviously, we have a, a trans, transgender, non-binary character, um, and I just think it's awesome. It really is. I mean, compared to other shows, how does this compare to other shows for inclusion and diversity in what's on TV now? Um, I'm hard-pressed to think of anything outside of Pose um, on American television that is as queer as Star Trek Discovery is. Um, I could be wrong and I'm happy to be corrected. Uh, But I know La Veneno or Veneno in Spain, also an amazing series. And if you're able to catch it, I would recommend that. That was a very queer cast as well. Um, And it's it's a completely different experience for me. You know, when I started 30 years ago, I would walk on set as the only member of the community that I knew um on set and now it's like who who's who's the straight person here (laughs) (laughs) who's straight this person who who has to hang out with that oh dear oh dear so so Um, what's been your favorite storyline um for your character so far because we see you murdered in 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 season one which i think was just a mistake but what's been your favorite storyline well, every actor will tell you the one that they're doing right now, which is very true, but I can't tell you what that is. Um, okay, do we see more of you? Uh, because currently, your character, I think, is wonderful because, you know, for me, you stand out so much in season three, very subtly, very like that counsellor, someone that's that's keeping everything together in the background and and you know see seeing you in see, see season three is wonderful and can i just say your outfits are absolutely sharp i've got to say did you Thank keep you. any of them or are no, you not allowed not. <laughs> oh. um my favorite you know my favorite um storyline you know i i really enjoyed um bringing him back to life all of the complexities of what that means of me, you know, just for me imagining what that would be like, 
mm. you know, coming to terms with the fact that you're dead and that it's over, but then being in some limbo and then finding yourself with a second chance at life. Like, what does that do to your psyche? And what does it do to the way that you lead your life going forward? Does it change? Do you change things? Do you make different choices? Um, and, and I really enjoyed that. That being said, I really enjoyed this culver of season three where we see him really putting himself out there um, for his crew, right? Showing up for them, taking care of them, um, owning the fact that um, he's, he's known trauma and vulnerability. Um, and so he is offering himself up as um, someone who could be of service in that way to people who are feeling the same way. So uh, I, I can also tell you that I love who he is, who has, he has become in season four. Um, so, you know, I, I could, it's, it's a, it is a, a, a wealth of, of, of opportunity that I've been given. And the one thing I love about your character is how compassionate and caring you are, but you're, you're quite straightforward. You know, you're straight yeah. down the line. But I think, I think that's also really comforting. You know, I think when we are, well, let's, let's take this moment now, for instance, in which we are all uncertain and insecure. You know what's comforting? The truth. Mm. Something that we haven't really had the benefit of here in the United States for about four years. And so to now have trust in the fact that your government is not trying to purposefully kill you yeah, um, and tells you the truth of the, of the moment, that's incredibly empowering and, and comforting um, and allows you to know what it is that you need to do in order to get better. So I think Colbert, you know, I, I think Dr. Colbert takes a lot from, there's a, um, a researcher, I'm sure you guys know her out there in the UK too, her name is Brene Brown. And um, she talks about having um, a strong back, a soft front and a wild heart. And I think about that in terms of Dr. Culver. I think you want him to be strong, you want him to be kind, um, and you want him to be um, spontaneous and someone you can bring anything to. You know, he's always at the ready. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, I can't wait for season four. Uh, do we know anything about season four? Like any, are they keeping their lips completely sealed or is, can you share anything or we always keep our lips sealed there's nothing i can't tell you anything all i can tell you is what has been already printed which is we have a season four and <laughs> and we're here making it right now and i'm glad you're making it because with everything going on it just gives us a glimmer of hope to to know that once we finish uh, this season there's going to be another one which is awesome so l let's talk about your fans because how has your social media changed since joining star trek discovery because star trek fans can be slightly obsessive yeah um you know it took me a minute <laughs> to adjust 
I won't lie. Um, <laughs> but very much like Dr. Culver, I decided to be honest, you know, um, and straightforward with my fans, right? We have a great time. I appreciate them. But I also know that if someone has a problem or is offensive in some way, um, that they're going to get called out. My computer. What am I doing here? There we go. Um, uh, that you know, if you're going to come at me, you have to come at me with some respect, and I will return the favor. But I don't play that on Twitter. I don't, and what's know, this? I'm, and what's the strangest interaction you've had with a fan um, so far? Oh, God, I mean, too many. There's too many. I mean, listen. I think, you know, first of all, they are incredibly passionate and they love mm. the franchise so much. And so it means something to them personally. And so I understand that when something is new, something is scary. Um, and it just takes a minute for people to get used to something new. And I think now, three years in, they're good now. But it takes them a while to, uh, to be okay with new. Mm. And it's definitely you've attracted... That with other um, incarnations of Star Trek as well. Oh, God, there's so many. You know, you've got Enterprise, Voyager, Deep yeah. Space Nine, and, and so many. Them, each of them took a little time for the fans to completely embrace. But when they did, they did. But the great thing is, Discovery has got a brand new fan base, you know, all over oh, the world. Sure. And, 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 and different, you know, fans that wouldn't normally be into star trek so which is awesome um so obviously you're you're filming uh, season four at the moment is there anything else planned or is it all star trek at the moment for you well there were other jobs <laughs> and then 2020 happened um so when i went on hiatus i was supposed to start um a couple of gigs one of what one of which uh became public this week because the producer um of the show talked about it, but I was supposed to do a, a really beautiful episode of One Day at a Time um, that Justina Machado, who stars in the show, was going to direct, and I was going to share the screen for the first time with one of my personal heroes, Rita Moreno, and they've recently been canceled now that um, uh, this whole situation with COVID has, has really hurt them, and so I'm not gonna get to do that. Um, so it's impossible. So my, the, the, the short answer to your question is it's impossible to do more than one project at a time right now, um, as much as I would like to. So it's Star Trek now. And then when we're back to the, to the normal world, we'll see. Oh, and before we wrap up this wonderful interview, um, another question, do you, do you ever just sing because you've got such a beautiful voice? And, you know, being on Star, Star Trek Discovery, could, could we hear a song down the line in one of the episodes? Or, you know, how, how do you keep your vocal cords still going? Because obviously they say that if you don't use them, you lose them. Well, I did mention to you that I live here alone. So these four walls have seen some really amazing performances. <laughs> <laughs> and so my neighbors here have heard some some vocals, I'll let them decide if it was any good. But, you know, I think as a performer, I'm always trying to exercise this muscle. Um, and I love to sing. So I sing all the time. 
here at home. Good, good, good. And what is your favourite Christmas movie of all time? Oh, wow. I've never been asked that question. Um, uh, Miracle on 34th Street. Street. I always forget if it's 32nd or 34th. The, the original or the... Uh, the original. The, the original. I've got to say, again... I can't watch literally any Chris Chris Christmas movie because my kids turn around and I'm crying my eyes out. I just can't, I can't take it. <laughs> I'm such I, a weird when it comes what? down I to that. Add, I will also add A Wonderful Life because it holds a very special place in my heart too. Do you know what? For the last 10 years, It's a Wonderful Life I've been trying to watch. I've been saying to myself, you need to watch oh, this. So is it? Oh, it's so good. Promise me you'll watch it this Christmas. Is is to say I I I promise. Is it uh, every time you hear a bell ring? Can I just say um, that this year it will resonate even more? I think. Right. So I will promise Wilson. I will get on that and I will watch it. I'll make sure the kids are either asleep or um, passed out on sugar. Yeah, they don't. They don't. One's three and one's seven. So the three-year-old, Cara, she's running around the house and Lois, my seven-year-old. That's her job. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know. And our cats are everywhere. Honestly, it's it's bedlam. Wilson, I'm going to let you... We can't can't keep him still either. So I, I feel you. Well, Wilson, I'll let you get off and, and, and thank you so much for this wonderful chance to talk to you. Um, I think you're absolutely fantastic. Everything that you do, I think you're a true inspiration from everything I've read and seen to not only the LGBTQ community, but anyone that's wanting to be more super. And, and I posted on Instagram the other the other day about standing up and speaking out. I think that is my me- me- message for 2021 we shouldn't accept poor behavior uh, discrimination against someone's color size looks you know way way of life you know it should be a happy place That's so you know 20th century you know i know i know i know <laughs> you know we, we we can do a lot in 2021 it can be our year uh, to make the world a better place <laughs> and well, uh, it starts with one person Thank you so yeah. much, Wilson. Look Thank after yourself you. and Merry Christmas because this Merry is actually going to be released on Christmas Eve. So, oh, um, you Merry are Christmas. everyone's you are going to be everyone's crisp Christmas present. So, uh, thank oh, you so I'm much. Glad I, I'm glad I put my Ponsidia back there then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends.